Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 212 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Are you sad that NBA season is over? Are you sad that NHL season is over? Don't worry, there's plenty of sports on this summer, and Bet Online has you covered. Whether it's baseball, UFC, boxing, tennis, you name it, Bet Online has you covered. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device and join. Be sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive 50%. On your first deposit. Again, to get a 50% welcome bonus, use promo code BLEAV. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 212 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Episode 212 for the love of the game on the Bleed Podcast Network with yours truly. It's ATH. We're back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and it's that time of year, folks. The sports calendar is a lot less packed right now. NBA Finals have commenced. Stanley Cup Finals have commenced. A lot of baseball talk, which, quite frankly, if you're a New York baseball fan, not a whole heck of a lot to like. We're going to talk about the Yankees a little bit later in this show, but a lot has gone down since the last episode, so let's crown some champions. Congratulations to Novak Djokovic for winning his 23rd major for winning the French Open this year, beating Casper Ruud straight sets. I mean, this is 23 majors for Joker. He passed Nadal for most all time. Is he the greatest tennis player ever? I don't know. I still think at his peak, Roger Federer was better. I don't know. That's just an eye test for me. But it's kind of hard to argue against Novak being the greatest. And it's not like he's slowing down very much. I mean, he still has a whole bunch left in the tank. Unfortunately, his semifinal match against Carlos Alcaraz, which was... Very, very exciting going in. I mean, a very hyped matchup. Didn't really come to fruition because Alcaraz got hurt in the third set. It was kind of all she wrote. But yeah, congratulations to Novak Djokovic taking care of business. And it doesn't look like he's slowing down. 23 Grand Slam titles. I mean, that is really crazy. And to think that he can get to 25 and get close to 30, like really given the state of his tennis, given the state where he is. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'll I'll tell you that. I mean, really absolutely wild stuff. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Golden Knights on winning the Stanley Cup. Four games to one over the Florida Panthers. They're just their sixth year in the league. They've only been around six years. And... They've been this successful this quickly, winning a cup this quickly. I mean, absolutely outrageous. Outrageously good. I mean, again, they were an expansion franchise. Six years ago, I made the cup final as an expansion franchise. I'm really curious to ask, and I'm never really going to get the answer to this, but I'm curious to ask the NHL owners if I could even get the answer whether they regret making it so easy for an expansion team to be good this quickly. But great for the Golden Knights. That city of Las Vegas is absolutely buzzing. They have adopted the Knights as their own. They love hockey there. Hockey in the South. It's working in Las Vegas. So congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for winning their first title in history over the Miami Heat in five games, 94-85 in game five. 
We'll get to game five in a second, but Denver went 16 and four in these playoffs. 16 and four. And they won 10 of their last 11 games. 10 and one in that stretch, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's one of the best records in NBA history for a title winning team. And people are going to poo poo it because they look at the seeds. They beat the Timberwolves, who are a playing tournament team. They then beat a four seed in the Phoenix Suns, then a seventh seed to win the title, then an eighth seed. Well, considering the fact that they were basically even odds against the Phoenix Suns in the second round, and they took them out pretty convincingly in six, considering that guys like Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, who's been poo-pooing the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic and his greatness all year, saying it wasn't as an impressive run because they didn't go through the likes of Joel Embiid, go through the likes of a Milwaukee or a Boston. Well, this is the same guy who wrote that the Lakers are going to go to the finals and that Anthony Davis might be the best big in basketball. So get lost, Chris Mannix. I mean, you're embarrassing yourself every single day on Twitter when you talk about this Denver situation. And let's face it, the Miami Heat beat Milwaukee. They beat Boston, okay? So this isn't your average eighth seed. Again, Miami was a one seed last year. Like, this isn't your average eighth seed. So if you're going to be poo-pooing the Nuggets this year, I mean, you just have your head up your own ass, all right? Enough is enough already. I know Jokic isn't flashy like a LeBron James, like a Joel Embiid, but, like, it's time. It's time to accept the fact that he's arguably the best player in the league. I still think Giannis is on that level, but it, it, you can't say it's not Jokic. And it's time to acknowledge that the Denver Nuggets, who I know they only won 53 games this year, but they kind of coasted after the All-Star break because they had such a big lead, were the best team in the Western Conference. And going into next season, barring any major changes, they're going to be projected to be the best team in the Western Conference next year. It's time. It's time to acknowledge that. If you can't see what's going on here, like you just have blinders on. You have blinders on. As for this series, so again, 94-89 over Miami in Game 5. This was an absolute slugfest. An absolute slugfest. Everybody was talking about how after game four, going up 3-1, that the Miami Heat were going to roll over in game five, that Denver was going to steamroll them, clinch a title on their home court. The line was eight and a half points, and I immediately was like, no, that that's not the way this works. I'm going to credit to a friend of the program, Rob Carpellis, who said this too. Closeout games generally are a lot closer, especially on a team's home court who's looking to close out the series than you would think because they're nerves. And Denver had nerves. I mean, they were one for their first 17 from three. They couldn't buy a shot. Either team couldn't buy a shot. And Miami goes into halftime winning with Jimmy Butler not playing well, and we'll get to him in a second. And you're just like, is Miami really going to figure out a way to do this? I know Denver went up 12-5 quickly, and you're just like, it looks really ugly for Miami now. I'm not sure what's happening with them, but Miami does what Miami does. They claw, they fight, they stay in the game, and they even had a lead at halftime. And it was just one of those slugfest games. The referees let them play ultra-physical, swallowed a lot of whistles. It wasn't pretty. I mean, Denver, as an offensive rating, had the worst ever offensive rating for a team that closed out a game in an NBA Finals and won a championship in a closeout game. Worst offensive rating in NBA history. And... They somehow find a way to win. I mean, Nikola Jokic, though, for everybody who had an ugly game, I mean, he was spectacular. 12 for 16, 28 points, 14 rebounds, actually played really good defense. 
him just being big in the right spots was able to deter guys like Jimmy Butler and other Miami Heat penetrators from finishing at the rim just by being big and having basketball IQ. Yeah. Does he look bad sometimes switching out to guys on the perimeter? Guys get him? Sure, of course. But protecting the rim, even though he can't jump over a phone book, he did pretty well in that game. Jamal Murray hit a couple of big shots. KCP hit a huge three in the fourth quarter. Michael Porter Jr. did not shoot well from the perimeter, but was slashing and cutting, getting to the rim. 17 and 13 contributed on the boards. 13 rebounds definitely helped out. His length helped out on defense, even though he had a rough series, rough, rough series shooting the basketball. Aaron Gordon, who had a great series for the most part, was one of six. Something like that in game five wasn't a factor offensively, but he was the reason they won game four. And just an all-around major team effort from the Denver Nuggets. And in this game in the fourth quarter, when it looks like Miami's out of it and Jimmy Butler's two for his first 11, eight points, and you're thinking to yourself, not only can he not buy a basket, but he looks incredibly passive and is relying on guys like Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, to take him home. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, to their credit, on the broadcast was talking about, like, and calling Jimmy Butler out for this because they're just like, you're Jimmy Butler. Like, you can't be relying on guys who are role players to carry you in a playoff game on the road. Like, you have to step up. And then all of a sudden, Butler gets one three to go down. And then another one. Then gets a phantom terrible foul call on a three-point attempt. Basically, he kicks his leg out. Aaron Gordon gets kickly in the nads. And they call the foul on Aaron Gordon because he, quote-unquote, got in the landing zone of Jimmy Butler. That was insane. Three free throws, and Butler scores the Heat's last 13 points to give them a one-point lead. And then Bruce Brown comes up with an offensive rebound and a putback. He had an incredible playoffs for the Denver Nuggets. He's going to get a nice contract this offseason. And the Denver Nuggets win the game 94-89. They held the Heat to under 90 points three times. Uh, Incredible. An incredible win for the Denver Nuggets. And just a quick shout-out to Nikola Jokic. As I mentioned in just not that long ago, in a game where everybody else couldn't buy a basket, he was incredibly efficient. Hats off to Nikola Jokic. In a game five where no one else had it going, again, 12 for 16, 28 points, 14 rebounds, picked apart the zone splendidly, barely made any mistakes, all playoffs in terms of when he had the basketball. I mean, he was the first player in NBA history to lead all players in a single postseason in points, rebounds and assists all right it's the first player to ever ever do that it's pretty good pretty good it becomes one of the 11 players in nba history to have a finals mvp along with two regular season mvps for the series for the series he averaged 30 points 14 rebounds seven assists and shot 58 percent from the field 58 percent What else can you say? What else can you say? He's the best player in basketball or the second best player in basketball. And if he's not the best player in basketball, because he still want to give it to Giannis, the margin is razor, razor thin. And you know what else? He's incredibly unselfish. He makes his teammates better. He's got a great personality. No nonsense. He's not about the glitz and the glam. Just wants to do his job. I mean, it was very funny after the post game where he was just like, you know, it was great to accomplish a goal, doing our jobs. But he doesn't get wrapped up in it. All he wants to do is go back to his home country, Serbia, and race horses. Like, he was annoyed that he had to go to the parade, which was happening 
tomorrow, I believe. That's a Thursday. We're recording on a Wednesday. And I won't be able to get home, potentially, for a horse race for one of his horses. The guy's an absolute pleasure to watch. An absolute pleasure to watch. And yes, I did not think he deserved regular season MVP this year. I didn't. I would have given it to Giannis, who had the best record in the league, and he was the best player on the best record. I was okay with giving it to Joel Embiid because it's a regular season award. But all of those who are talking about Jokic in a certain way because of the color of his skin need to open your eyes, take the race card out of it, open your eyes, and understand that you're watching an all-time great basketball player, an all-time great, and appreciate just what he does for his entire team. Jamal Murray is incredibly talented, and shout out to him because he had a great series, and it's good to see him come back after all the injuries he had, specifically the ACL tear. But let's face it, like Jamal Murray, as talented and great as he is, is exponentially better because he plays with Nikola Jokic. Aaron Gordon had the best year of his career, had a great playoffs, but he's exponentially better because he plays with Nikola Jokic. Bruce Brown, who was good for the Nets, did good things for the Nets, but expanded his offensive repertoire in terms of the shot chart that he and the shots that he was taking and gets the confidence to do so. Why? Because he's playing with Nikola Jokic. It just goes to show you that when your superstar isn't a diva, is is unselfish, and is just about the his business and not a whole heck of a lot else, you're going to win titles. Look at the last three title winners and the last three finals MVPs. Giannis, Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic. All three of them fit that mold. Joel Embiid, you want to fit that mold? It's time to get a little serious, all right? Kevin Durant, you don't fit that mold. Jason Tatum, you don't fit that mold just yet. Luka Doncic, you don't fit that mold just yet. It's time to recognize, people. Those three guys are the three best players in the league. It's their league, and then there's a gap between everybody else. And right now, Nikola Jokic holds the crown. And it's awesome to see him shove it up the ass of all the detractors out there, whether it's a guy like Chris Mannix, whether it's the guy from the Vibe and Sports, Jason, who's talking about Anthony Davis being the best player in basketball going into the Western Conference Finals. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And for all... The guys like Kendrick Perkins. Good. Good for Nikola Jokic. And he doesn't care about any of that. But I guess as a basketball fan, and somebody talks basketball as a hobby, and quote-unquote for a living over here, I'm happy for him. Because I will fight this battle for him. And this Denver Nuggets thing isn't going away. Now again, right now, given the landscape of the league and the way the collective bargaining agreement is going to work, we may be in an era with unprecedented parity in the NBA. But I'll say this. Jokic is 27. Aaron Gordon's 27. Jamal Murray's 26. Michael Porter Jr.'s 24. I can't say if the Nuggets are going to win another title. This may be it. It's really hard to win in the NBA. But... Because of those guys' ages and that they're under contract for the next two to three years, they're going to be in the mix for the next two to three years. And as long as you have Nikola Jokic, just like as long as you have a guy like Giannis or Steph Curry, you're always going to be in the mix. Because that's how special those guys are. And they're a cut above. And it's time to recognize that Jokic sits atop the throne. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. A very fun team to watch. And the Miami Heat, it was a great run. An absolutely great run. 
Can't say enough about Eric Spolstra. I know Jimmy Butler didn't have the great finals, but look at what he did to get them there. And he, he had two good games in the finals, but it wasn't the same thing. I mean, the stuff against Milwaukee is all world stuff. The stuff against the Boston Celtics to win those first two games in Boston basically essentially won them the series is all world stuff. It just, it just came to an end. It came to an end. They lost to a better team. And I fully expect them to trade for Damian Lillard. It's going to be a really interesting offseason. But again, congratulations to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. A great season from them. And with that said, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the New York Yankees and what's going on with them. And we'll get to that in just a matter of moments. It's dark times for ATH right now. NBA season is done. Looking forward to the NBA draft, but the Knicks don't really have a great pick. So that will be somewhat interesting. But after that, with NHL season done, NFL not for a while. It's basically baseball this summer and maybe some other topics, but mainly baseball. Just finished wrapping up watching the New York Yankees lose to the New York Mets in extra innings, splitting their Subway Series. Both teams are in a bit of disarray, so we have Andrew Sender on on a late night. Talk a little Yankees baseball. Andrew, let me ask you a question. If Aaron Judge isn't going to play for the Yankees, why should I care and watch them? You shouldn't. That's the simple the simple answer is you shouldn't because when he doesn't play, they are one of the worst baseball teams like I've ever seen. Like it's really incredible how every year it shuffles between the offense is good, the defense is then good or like it never all clicks. And this season is just a proof of like yes, it's extremely impressive that this team is 9 games above 500. Obviously, a lot of it was is without judge, but like it just shows how just awful and annoying it is to watch this team play when judge isn't in the lineup because they have zero offense when he's not there. I think they're on base percentage for something like 300 as a team when he's not in the lineup. And then when he is in the lineup, it's like 550, 600, like something absurd like that. Like the drop off when he doesn't play is like major league to minor league baseball team. So it's just like, and these last two games have kind of showed that like, yeah, like they hit, they got a bunch of runs last night, but a lot of it was on bloop singles and kind of lucky breaks. Yeah. And the Mets, you know, kicking the ball all over the field. Yeah, Like it's, you know, tonight's lineup for the Yankees, as you well know, I'm just, I'm just looking at the, the lineup card right now, the box score, Jake Bowers, have you heard of him before two weeks ago? Yes, and I'm not even going to lie. When they got him, I really liked the move. Really, really did. Okay, yeah, because I guess he was a, a highly touted prospect that had bounced around. You're just taking a flyer. Okay, fine. Um, Josh Donaldson, I don't know if you recognize, but he's hitting 130 and getting paid $25 million a year to, get, to hit 130. You had... Uh, Jose, well, no, not really. I mean, just, I, I don't understand how, like, and as great as McKinney has been, like, how is he in an everyday line for the New York Yankees? It's the New York Yankees with, you know, the richest team in baseball. Like, what is going on here? Well, you can't say the richest team in baseball anymore because that, that title has been taken by the Dodgers and no, but the, the Yankees Mets. are still the most valuable franchise in all the sports. A hundred percent. But you know, obviously, and look, here's the thing. I, it's very hard to, you know, to take a shit on the ownership because they spend a, a boatload of money. But at the end of the day, yes, theoretically with how much this team is worth, they should be, they should be the highest, you know, highest payroll. Well, hold they spent a lot of money on bringing back a homegrown guy. Fine. He's the, he's the most valuable player in the American League because it's clear when he doesn't play, the team is completely worthless. And when he plays, they're way above average, and he's awesome, right? Okay, I get that. But then they bring in another guy 
Carlos Rodon, who hasn't even pitched, and that was basically their offseason. You know, two very high sticker price items. You're telling me that they didn't have enough cash in the coffers to bring back a guy like Andrew Penitendi? Yeah. I I just, this is just crazy. Like, the half in, half out nature of this regime is is wild. Yeah. No, and it's it's really unfortunate because it all – if they never make that trade w- with the twins and get IKF, who's been a godsend. I mean, he has been awesome. We'll get to, to him watch. in a second. Yeah, I mean, but, he had, he's had, he, you know, he had a great game for them tonight, and as much of a punching bag as he was last year, especially on the defensive end. Like, I know he's only hitting two thirty eight, but he started out hitting like one eighteen or something like that, one eighty. He's been a godsend for them. Yeah. No, he's he's been he's been awesome, and you know what? He plays all over the place. But back to the other, like, just why the team is so awful is getting Josh Donaldson has just ruined the vibes. It's just ruined the vibes because every time you see him play, and even this year, like the announcers were like gassing him up, like, "Oh, he's got home runs." It's like, but he's hitting one thirty. You're telling me, yeah, okay, cool, he'll get. He'll get 20 hits in the season, but they're all home runs. I don't, that doesn't help. Like he is the worst $25 million baseball player. I think you will ever find. And you know what? His defense is pretty good. DJ LeMahieu does just as good at third base. And he's also fucking sucks. He's terrible. Also. I've never seen a guy drop off so freaking fast like he has. He watches strikes go by him like he's like he's you know Edwin Encarnacion on the Yankees. Like he's terrible now. It, it it's bad news. I mean Anthony Rizzo hasn't gotten a hit in like a month and a half. I don't know what the hell well, is he going finally, on there. He finally got one last night. He was 0 for 24 and then he finally got one and then guess what? He's back to fucking I don't even know. I mean, you know what? Look, to be honest, and like you said before, it shows. Judge is clearly the most valuable player in the in baseball. Yes, Otani can pitch and, and bat. Cool. His team stinks. And when he's not in, yeah. they are still terrible. Like it does nothing really changes. You see the way the Yankees change when one dude isn't in the lineup, a right fielder, not a shortstop, a right fielder, which is considered to be a pretty meaningless position in baseball when you really break it down, a right fielder. And he's not just a right fielder, though, because he can fill in at center and play but way above average center field defense. The The point is that that one guy turns a, a World Series caliber team into a legit minor league baseball team. That's how insane the drop off. Like, it is. Like, they are literally their on base percentage is like three hundred when he's not in the lineup. That is absurd. Like you, I I couldn't put together a baseball team to hit three hundred in a season. Like that is so difficult to do. <laughs> or to get on base percentage of three hundred, not even hit on base percentage. Yeah, I was gonna say we could take we could use a three hundred hitter right now. Yeah, for somebody who you know is not just gonna swing for the fences. I. I I just don't understand the lack of, you know, wanting to bring back Andrew Benatendi. I said it at the time. I don't understand it. Like, if you were, you know, excited about Oswaldo Cabrera, I understand. Okay, I get it. But then have him play left field every day. I don't, you know, you're jer- you're jerking him around. And we'll get, you know, they're not doing that with Anthony Volpe, and we'll get to him in a second. But, like, I just, nothing this team seems to do around the edges makes sense. And it's like, why why should I care anymore if Judge isn't going to play? Like, it's the same song and dance every single year. They have a bunch of hitters who swing for the fences all the time. And if they're not hitting home runs, they have no chance to win. Yeah, no, it's 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 insane. And you know what? Look, not getting Benintendi 
okay, fine. Maybe you didn't want to pay him. He really does. And look, at the end of the day, he did not like it. He didn't like being Yankee. So that's just that's just the reality. Well, cool. did he not like being a Yankee, or did they not, or did they just completely lowball him and not even no, offer him anything? No, he 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 voiced that he didn't. He, this wasn't the place for him. I remember, like the first one of the first press conferences he had as a White Sox was like, "It's like so much better here," some some crap like that. But oh, well, then but not but not rocks. going but not going after somebody like him like, like Brian freaking Reynolds. How on earth did this guy never he he was never even in the talks of coming to the Yankees? How on earth do you let the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Pirates, win you over a baseball player, a meaningless franchise, beat you? Like, why? What are we doing? And look, I understand they spent a lot of money and super high payroll, but is $15, $20 million to get a player who can just get on base. Is that really going to kill you? You're going to make your 15, 20 million in like five, six games. It will not hurt you. Like the benefit. And all it is, is one, just one guy, because realistically, I think if LeMay, you had another guy to counter with, you know, just getting trying to get on base and spraying the ball. I think he'd stop hitting for the fences. But I feel like he's got so much pressure on him because he's literally the only guy in the lineup besides Judge that can get on base. Everyone else is just swinging for the fences. And look, Rizzo has been great. Rizzo's been getting on base, hitting like 265 now, I feel like. Even though he's at, he's yeah, at 310 he was, the other week. He was at 310. And I mean, it's crazy. Like, the drop-off is insane. It's And... Since his neck injury, he's been he's got three hits, I think, since the neck injury. That was on May twenty fourth. I mean, we're like we're talking numbers that like you couldn't even describe to someone. But to be honest, it just shows that if they do stuff at the trade deadline, which I hated that Boone said made that comment about it might be a quiet one. Like, come on, like you're really gonna sit here and think your team is ready to win? You need a loud one. You need a loud trade deadline right now. But the pitching staff is phenomenal. And I remember I said it last year, and I said it again this year. The Yankees, by far, best pitching staff in baseball. You cannot even come close to it. That bullpen, they find random guys off the street. All-stars. Legit all-stars. Albert Abreu is shadily having a pretty good season. I know he looks a little shaky. Something he's got like a three-two. It's pretty good for a guy well, who considered well, Tommy Canley since he's come back has legitimately been unhittable. He looks nasty, and Clay Holmes has looked unbelievable. Like after Clay a Holmes, shaky, after a shaky, shaky start. start. Yeah, I know he's and been he, very. But Andrew, we're talking about the bullpen as being the most exciting thing on the team. What the hell is this? What is this? It's it's the new it's the new era of Yankee baseball where they will invest more time and effort into the bullpen than they will into the offense. Because realistically, realistically thinking, when was the last time the Yankees signed a big free agent? Offensively, and take out Judge because that was a re-sign. That's a very different scenario. When was the last time they went after a guy in free agency to get a like to big bring some free offense? agent? Because Stan mean, was a trade. Stan was Stan a trade. Was a trade. Gallo was a trade, and yes, Gallo stunk, but that was still a big offensive mood uh, move. Donaldson was a trade. The last one, I guess, was LeMahieu when they signed him, and they signed him to be. But they a signed him for player. twenty-four million dollars over two years. Like that was yeah. really he was meant to be thrown around like IKF is. Like I genuinely cannot like think when the last time they said, you know what, there's a free agent available who can hit. Let's go after him. I don't know when the last time that was. That's very concerning to me. That clearly means that you think your offense is a lot better than it is, and. I hate this whole Stan thing. They always say he brings a presence and this and that. And Carlos Stan has not been very good since becoming a Yankee. Really hasn't. His numbers are very eh. Like he's ah. had moments. 
he's had, had moments. He's had moments, but but I don't care about moments. I I I care about production and in games where he looks like tonight, where he looks like he literally couldn't hit a beach ball. Like he's swinging at pitches that are almost hitting him, and swinging at sliders that are fifty feet out of the zone. Like I I just to me it's like. I just where, where's the investment in the offense? Are we ever going to try to go after it, or do we just think we're the best and blah blah blah? I mean, the Dodgers they never freaking settle, even when even if it's in a trade, they're trying to get their offense better and better every single day. Like they bring in Freddie Freeman, they bring in Trey Turner, like bring in all these people. Yes, Trey Turner's not on the team anymore, but like they're constantly bringing in new faces on the offense. Why haven't the Yankees done that? Remember when the Yankees were rumored to be going after Bryce Harper, but then balked at the price tag? That, that is, that's when we should have known. That's when we should have known that we're now dealing with a penny pinching organization. And yeah, they brought Judge back at a monster number, but that was really for their own PR more so than anything else, right? I, I truly believe that they didn't want to do that. Um, Carlos Rodon, that one's a head scratcher. I don't know. By the way, is there any update with him? Like I saw him on the mound the night, uh, or I should say the night after the, you know, New York looked like the apocalypse. Like, is he ever going to play? Like what the hell's going on there? So it looks like he might rehab soon because he was throwing on the mound and he fucking hit Willie Calhoun, which was just, like another like, guy who's pay, playing a lot. Well, you know, in fairness, he's deserved it. He has. He, you know what? I, I, I will give him credit because he has been thrown into such a fucked up situation. Like genuinely, just a fucked up situation. He has been put in to the three hole on the New York Yankees constantly. That is really not fair to him because he shouldn't have to feel that pressure. Like it's like the same with Billy McKinney. Like they're just throwing him out there in like the six hole, and then they're putting him in the outfield, like starting every. Like that's come on. Like they don't. These guys aren't meant to do that. And in fairness, but in fairness, right? Judges hurt. Harrison Bader no, is also uh, hurt. Of course, which of course matters. But that's but look, that's why I give them credit because the two of them right. have been very very solid. And you know what? Right now, the best thing ever was releasing Aaron Hicks because we've gone production from all the outfielders pretty much. Like, that's incredible. And the funny thing is, is that Hicks is hitting for the Baltimore Orioles. And he's hitting well. Yeah. He he's, he's tiny, just mental, you know. No, I, I'm not, I'm not crying over Aaron Hicks not being on the roster anymore. No, that's no, a, no, no. That's a celebration. He just, I, he couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. Where's the juice going to come from? Where's the juice going to come from? Where's the excitement going to come from? It can't all be on 99's back. The sad part is it needs to come from Torres, but it's never going to happen because that he's gutless. And a, a nice Don LaGreca quote right there. He is gutless. That guy plays the game so nonchalantly and doesn't give a flying fuck. And you think in a contract year, dude, step it up. No, he's been terrible. I honestly think this is one of the worst seasons that he's had. And he's had some really bad ones, but this one is just like, there's no excuse anymore. You're back in your old position. You have no pressure at all. Nobody's asking anything from him. They're like, just hit 250. And he could barely do it. He just looks terrible. And then he's his arm. I keep talking about his arm. He's got a noodle arm. How he and he is transfers from from short to first on the double plays are sloppy and they're slow. He makes a gazillion mistakes. Like I just, but it needs to come from him because look, you're not no going to get a spark because right, no one else really has any bit of like star level. No, talent. no. He the thing is he has it. It's there. Right. He has it in his bag. LeMahieu was a great player, but when LeMahieu's hot, LeMahieu's quiet. You don't hear about him. He just hits a silent 300, and that's the best part. You don't even realize the guy's hitting 300. That's sick. Rizzo is Rizzo. 
I don't think we're going to get much more than we've gotten already this year. You know, he'll hit 20 to 25 home runs and hitting the 265 to the 280 range, which is great. Awesome. Stan will be Stan. 250. You know, obviously not with a full year, but close to like the 30 home runs, whatever it is. The guy who we needed the spark from was Torres, and he hasn't given it to us at all. He gave it to us for like three, four weeks or two weeks, whatever it was. But since then, it has been ugly, really, really ugly. And you see the vibes of the team are different when he's not playing well. He's a very important piece to this team. The Met fans in this city will say, you're nine games up. You've had a bunch of injuries. What the hell are you complaining about? Because the Mets are in a situation where they're high-priced players and they have the highest payroll in baseball and the highest payroll ever in baseball history. And their high-priced players are underperforming. So which situation would you rather? The high-priced players underperform and be healthy to try and get them to turn it around or have all your guys hurt and just be like meandering around with backups who, again, some of them have filled in nicely. Some of them haven't, but it's incredibly uninspiring. It is so funny that Mets fans are surprised by this. It really is. You got to break. This is where the Yankees had a big mistake from. I want to say from 18 so still about now. It's not about how much money you spend. It's, it's about, about where, where you spend you're it, spending right. your money. Their starting rotation, you know who the youngest pitcher on the rotation is? A guy who has spent 10 years playing professional baseball in freaking Japan. That's your youngest starter. And you're going to tell me you're surprised that a 40 and a 41-year-old aren't pitching well? And that a 35-year-old is injured? You're well, going to tell me that that is surprising to you? Well, in fairness, in fairness, the Jacob deGrom salary slot, who on the pitching market was worth that slot, right? It's, How many guys were worth that slot? So if you were going to look for a high-priced pitcher, again, I know the age of Verlander, who, by the way, pitched great tonight, I know his age is, you know, he's close to 40 years old, but he was the best pitcher of the American League last year, right? Like, if you're going to just try and go the high-priced pitcher route, I mean, would you rather have Verlander or Carlos Rodon right now? At least Verlander's pitching. It's The, the difference is, though, is that they're gambling with that $40 million. You're assuming that a 40-year-old, Look, the, the thing. But, no, but Verlander's year last year was so miraculous. Why? Because he was 39 years old. You're like, holy crap, a 39-year-old is doing that. That's insane. And then you literally saw Scherzer wasn't that good last year. You saw him he was start good to decline. Early, but he fell but you, apart late. But you saw you saw him start to decline. And then you have to think in your head, okay, fine. We have one 45 or 40 million dollar 40-year-old. Do we really need two? Like well, that's where I think the option? Yankees, the Yankees and the Mets will always differ in things like that. The Yankees would have always gone after the younger guy, the more st- like just a guy who the you think the younger guy hasn't pitched yet this year. But it's it doesn't matter. At least they have him for the next what is it five years, and not even that. You have Verlander getting paid how much more money? What is it? Thirteen, fourteen million dollars more that you could have allocated to a bench. And also, let's not forget, it's not just the pitching. It's the hitting. Every free agent they sign is 35 years old. Marcana, Starling Marte, Escobar. It doesn't end. Why on earth are they just... Because here's the problem. I know what it is. Steve Cohen, and it's... Look, it's unfortunate for a Mets fan. He got into this ownership at the wrong time. The free agent market stinks. If he would have gotten in it three, four years ago with Harper and Machado, the Mets would have been great. He got in at a bad time. There was no free agents available, and he got screwed. That's it. And, they, and, and now, they, now this and team— And they traded for Lindor, who at the time was arguably a top-ten player in the league, 
and he hasn't performed like one, not even the least bit. Okay, but back to the Yankees for a second. It's just like, yeah, the the starters have been good, even though Nestor is hurt and hasn't nearly been as good as he was last year. Severino's been up and down. Cole has been very good, you know, minus like a two-start blimp. He's been very, very good. It's just, what's the ceiling here? Are we looking at 93 wins in a first-round exit? Like, like always, like, like, what's the point? We've seen Look, the movie before. If the Yankees can manage to stay healthy, and when I say the Yankees, I say Aaron Judge. If Aaron Judge manages to stay healthy and, you know, they get Cole going like he is, you have Rodon and you have Nestor. And Nestor, even if you pitch to a five ERA, a four or five, that's that's good enough. The bullpen is that freaking good. A four that, or five? No, because the bullpen. What, six, six innings, three runs? If he, you know what? The bullpen will lock it down. That's like, realistically, if you're giving up three, four runs a game, you're supposed to be in the game with this type of offense, realistically, as I put that in quotes. But, like, honestly, like, they don't need that much from another starter. It's just the bullpen is that electric that you just got to get them there. Give up, like, what? Like, you could give up two runs in five innings and that's still fine. Like you'll, you'll, you'll survive. The bullpen is just that good, but they, like they just, they need to be healthy. If they're not healthy, they might get absolutely smoked in a playoff series by at this point by anyone. Like they're just, they, they look that bad when judge is not a hundred percent. Obviously they're the brain trust. It, it's hard to separate Aaron Boone from Brian Cashman, from the stat nerds upstairs, from Randy Levine, all these people. Um, but let, let, let's take Boone for an example because, you know, if there was ever a move to make, and again, it's hard to say this with a team that's nine games up, you know, or I should say nine games over 500. But, like, has Aaron Boone been the issue? I know in the past he has been, but it seems like – this year, he has not been one of the Yankees' two or three biggest issues. Not even close. And you know what? I will say, I think this has been probably his best year as a manager. Considering what has happened with his baseball team, the fact that they're nine games over, kudos. Very well done. And you know what? I've really only seen like one or two mistakes that have then been capitalized and like just later in the game, he's fixed it. Like the other night... Severino should have taken him out. Should have 100% taken him out. But then he pulls Wandy. You know what I mean? Earlier Boone, I don't know if he pulls Wandy there. I think he lets him ride it out because he's like, oh, Wandy's a good uh, ground ball pitcher, blah, blah, blah. No, he took him out, put in clay, and said sacrifice. You know what? I'm not trying to save him for a closing position. I'm trying to get my outs right now. I, I really loved that. I thought that was great, and it worked out. So I think Boone has been good. I, I think the only thing that confuses me still to this day, and I don't think it's a Boone problem. I think it's the the chain, the committee problem, starting with Cashman, is the lineup. The lineup is just bizarre on half of these games. Like the way it's structured is just so Well right odd. now, right now it's kind of throwing darts at a dartboard. It's it's because, picking names out of the hat. You know, their regulars aren't really healthy. But I just – there's no excitement in this season. None. There's absolutely no juice. Like, did you feel any type of way in terms of just, like, really looking forward to watching these last two games against the Mets? No. On the heels of the Red Sox series, did you have any excitement in terms of watching the Red Sox series and they're going to be playing them in Fenway? This weekend, you have any excitement in watching that series? I I laugh when I see these ESPN commercials. Yankees, Red Sox, rivalry. I'm like, oh, boy. Like, this is such a joke. And it's really unfortunate because you know what? Baseball is super fun to watch now. Like, it's so fun to watch. The rules, for the most part, have been good. Have been absolutely incredible. 
that called tonight on McNeil in terms of when he was no, straddling no, the no, base. no, 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 like, no. You know what? You know what? Pickleball players, you can agree with me like this. If your foot is in the kitchen, that is no good. If his foot is across that line, no good. I don't care. Come on. You know what? No, 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 no. Because every inch matters. What if there's a ball to his right on that play that he gets to? But if he was one step away, he doesn't get to it. If that rules was Clay, rules. if that rules was Clay Torres, you'd go nuts. No, I would not. No, I'd say you're. Oh no, because you I, hate Clay Torres. No, that that's not DJ why. LeMayu, you'd if go it was nuts. Anthony Volpe, DJ Lemayhu, Aaron Judge, I don't care who it is. If you don't know the rules, you're a moron. It's a very simple rule. Don't go beyond the line. And the fact, you know what? McNeil is such a loser. The fact that he starts complaining and saying, I wasn't even close. I hope he watches the replay tonight. Your foot was fully across the base. You're a scumbag. You weren't even close. And then he's trying to like tell the umpire, oh, look at me. I'm not on it. He was over. Look, baseball is a game of inches. Look what, how many inches did they add to the base? Probably like three or four inches. Look how much that has changed. And that's three or four inches. You know what I mean? Like everything matters. And it's professional sports. You can't cut corners. You just can't. So I agree. You call him out on it. And it was blatantly obvious. It wasn't like his toe was over. His full foot and leg was over. By the way, that's the last time you're ever quoting pickleball on this podcast. Because that's not a real sport. We don't do it. I don't subscribe to it. I'm out. I'm out. On it is a real sport. It's uh, coming. It's coming. And it's coming. Oh, it's the worst. The absolute it's worst. the best. Play, no, that's the thing. Tennis it's like the a best. man. I still play tennis and I, I still know. Beat you. I know you do, I which is why I get annoyed at you <laughs> for playing pickleball so much. All right. Last thing before I let you go. So long-term prognosis on this Yankee team. Judge will be back. Eventually. Eventually, like I can't imagine that his toe, it, you know, it's that rough where he won't be back within the next two weeks. Wrong, 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 wrong. My dad actually was talking to someone who knows the doctor who's been dealing with it. And he said, don't expect Judge coming back anytime soon. He said, this is really bad. He said, he said, this type of injury is very hard to come back from because you think about the way he stands and you know being in a in a batter's box it's all on your toe. The if it would have been one of the middle toes not a big problem. It's the big one is the one that's such a sensitive spot this right. could be this could be a long time. This okay, could be fine. another couple of weeks. All right, so long-term prognosis for the team. What are we thinking? Look, at this point, honestly, I'd be happy if they make it to the playoffs. I really would. There's been too many injuries, guys not playing well, really weird like names on the roster. I'd be happy if they make the playoffs. And look, if they make it in, like I, I have a lot of confidence. I do. It doesn't really sound like it, but I do. I think it's a good baseball team. I just think they need to be healthy, which is – their biggest like enemy right now. That's the biggest hurdle that they've had is just staying healthy. But if they can find a way to get healthy, and I know we say it every year, they could be dangerous. They, this is a really good pitching team. And if Judge is back, you never know. That guy can win you a series any day of the week. The only thing I'll say in the Yankees' favor this year is it seems to me that the Astros are having a down year. And... um. Jordan Alvarez just went down with a, uh, you know, bleak strain. So they're in, you know, for a little bit of hurting right now. But I, I, you don't wish injuries on anybody, right? Because, no, but no, it, no, it's no. it's nice to see that the Astros are finally having a down year. But it's just, I don't know. I, I'm just like, I, I have no desire to watch them. None. And I don't encourage people to watch them. <laughs> the Yankees are playing some of the worst baseball that we've seen in the last five, six seasons. So like, yeah, I mean, until judge gets back, it's going to kind of be, this is like the dog days of baseball, the way the Yankees are playing right now, which is really unfortunate because it's only the beginning of June, but 
it is this is how it's been and you know what what i will say though is the guys who are out there besides Gleyber Torres they're fighting they're really fighting i give jake bowers dude what a night he had tonight like really like he really did have a night that guy worth counts on justin verlander like better than stanton or judge has ever done like he was incredible he was awesome tonight so I, you know, I, I love it. I, I do. But like, yeah, the, the team is not not really fun to watch. You have to look for the little things, like I just like Jake Bowers working pitches. But other than that, yeah, it's it's kind of a snooze fest right now. But hopefully, they get their say, guys back. I was gonna say Jake Bowers working the count and the bullpen. Whoop de doo. That's that's what we call box office. Where where would have you ranked that in the beginning of the season in things? Because the bullpen we lost pieces, so like you thought, oh maybe they might not be that good. Where would you rank Jake Bowers taking pitches and the bullpen being the two most entertaining parts of the season? Well, it wasn't at the top. It wasn't at the top. All right, <laughs> Andrew. All right, Andrew. Thanks again. It's get it's super late. It's uh, almost midnight here on the East Coast. Thanks for jumping on after Yankees Mets doing a little therapy session about the Yankees, a little Mets talk too, but real therapy session about the Yankees. And hopefully the next time we talk about them, they won't be as boring and they'll actually be somewhat exciting and there'll be somewhat different vibe in terms of our conversation. So thanks again for doing it, but I'll speak to you soon. Thanks again to recurring guest Andrew Sender for coming on post game to talk a little Yankees baseball. It's not great time in Yankee land right now. It's not great time in Mets land. It's going to be a long-ass summer if this trend continues. That's episode 212 for the love of the game. Just a couple of things before we go that I forgot to mention in the monologue. One, so obviously with the NBA Finals behind us, we are now in off-season mode. We've got trade rumors. We've got free agency rumors. I just want to say one thing about the Knicks, one quick thing. The idea of Bradley Beal in New York, no thanks. Hard, hard pass, all right? In a salary cap sport, if you pay B players A-plus money, that's where you get to being mediocre forever, all right? Bradley Beal is a B, B-plus player who gets A-plus money and he barely plays. No thanks. No thanks. Carl Anthony Towns. Another example, no thanks. Now, the rumors of Zion Williamson, obviously he's been in the news for a lot of different things. Dude likes to get it in, whatever. Zion, injury risk. It's clearly not working for him in New Orleans. He's the kind of guy I would go all in for because, yeah, it could go really poorly. His body... He needs to get into shape or else his career is going to be an absolute dud. But I do believe a change of scenery may be best for him. And he's young enough. And when he's right, he's a top 10 player in the NBA. And if you're the Knicks, this is a guy you go all in on because of his age, because of the talent level. And if it goes poorly, you basically bottom out anyway. All right. Who the hell cares? I am pro bring Zion Williamson to the New York Knicks, which also means that Julius Randle will get his ass out of here. They should be getting his ass out of here regardless. But Zion, I'm for it. Bradley Beal, no thanks. Damian Lillard, no thanks. Don't need two point guards on the team making big money. Carl Anthony Towns, no thanks. Anyway, we'll talk more about offseason stuff. Later on the summer again. That this is episode 212 for the love of the game. Take us out, Black Robin Diddy. Let's get it. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.